Hello everyone and welcome back to Keeping It Arcadia, brought to you by the Arcadia Unified School District Digital Communication Internship and its podcast team. I'm Lawrence and I'll be your host for today. You know, I just want to say I'm loving the fact that I can finally eat indoors at restaurants again and that APN is finally live streaming sports again. It's also great that senior year celebrations aren't dead yet. You know, we have an in-person graduation and a grad night at, you know, Universal Studios. Well, from my highly enthusiastic comments, it's probably clear that the upcoming return to school is this episode's topic. So let's hop right in, shall we? Frankly, I can't imagine the burdens that are on school principals as the top leadership figures during the return to in-person learning, especially as they are grinding out the minutia of this complicated transition. So that's why we have two principals here today to discuss what it has all been like. First, we have Ms. Dillman, principal of Arcadia High School. Hello, my name is Claire Lee. I'm Nicole. Today we are joined by Ms. Dillman, who will talk about the school reopening process for Arcadia High School. So just to start off, can you please explain what your role in the school reopening process has been? Yeah, sure. I play a few different roles in the school reopening, and part of my role is understanding where we are as a county and a state and what schools are expected to do and why they're expected to do it. And then understanding all the options for students and then helping to communicate that to my teachers and my parents and and students. So, you know, we all kind of understand why schools are reopening at this time. I think that, you know, we're here at the end of the year and there's, you know, mixed feelings from students that, It might just be better to stay online for the rest of the year, one less disruption, one less change. And there are other students who they can't wait for one day not doing school at home. And so we want to make sure that we're, you know, providing opportunities for every student and what they need for the rest of the year. And that we need to provide these options. So for something like school reopening, there are legal parameters. And that's my job to bring to the table. And then those rules kind of give us the parameters for our options. And luckily, we have a really wise leadership team we have. And it's the same group that was meeting in the summer to plan the schedule we have now. Um, It's the group that decided a block schedule would be best for distance learning. So we designed our bell schedule so we could easily adapt to hybrid if we needed to. So those were the easy decisions. And now the, you know, the real challenging work is how do we do this safely? How do we do this in a way where everyone feels supported and we're still educating all of the students who chose to stay in distance learning for the rest of the year? So how we're going to make sure everyone learns everything they need to and is supported in the way they need to will be challenging, but I know that I know we can do it. Yeah. And you mentioned that although there aren't many people who want to go back, those, there still are some people. So can you talk a little bit about what the in-person model will look like? Yeah, absolutely. I can't tell you what it will look like every second of every day in every class because it depends on how many students are in the room. But I think, you know, we have to, you know, keep in mind that teachers are going to be teaching the students at home and in the room and their attention will be going back and forth. So I think they're already thinking of ways that they're going to be able to do this. And I think that the number of students that they have in class will probably um, dictate their, their plans for what how they're going to make this work. We have to make a lot of plans for who's coming back. So even right now, like 
we have to rewrite our fire drill plans based on who's here every period. So it's really important that people understand that this choice to come back has a lot of impact on all of our like process and procedures and um, especially our safety plans. So this can't be something where you come and go every day or you pick and choose what classes to go to. We also understand that if a student, they come back and they're not quite ready for it, like they thought they were ready to be around people, they thought they were you know, ready for all of this interaction and it doesn't feel right, we will work with individual students and we would work with that student to figure out, okay, what were you expecting? And you know, how can we help you work through that? And if the answer is students just need to go back home, we will certainly be understanding but that has to start with the intention that everyone knows this is a serious decision and commitment. Yeah, it's definitely hard to have the plan constantly changing every single day. Is there anything else you would like to add? We have to keep in mind the bigger picture. This means that our world is healing. Just like it was really difficult to go into the lockdown back in March 2020, this is going to have different challenges as well. And we just have to keep supporting each other and being kind and knowing that things aren't going to work perfectly. But if we can remember how important it is to get back to normal, then we'll all be moving in the right direction. Next, we have Ms. Matera. Hi, my name is Chloe Wong. And my name is Kylie Ha. Hi, I'm Patty Matera. Thank you for having me. And I am the principal at Highland Oaks Elementary School. With that being said, how have the elementary schools been preparing for this school reopening? So when we first found out that we were reopening, there was a little bit of anxiety because there's a lot of guidelines that we have to follow. But the first thing that was really important for us to find out is the numbers of students that would be coming back for in-person learning. You know, there was a survey sent out and we were able to get our numbers fairly quickly from parents of who wanted to come back. Uh, once we had the numbers, the next th immediate thing that we did was um, for teachers to set up in their classrooms because first the guidelines stated that students had to be six feet apart in the classroom. And now that the numbers have gotten better in LA County, um, we're able to space out three feet apart when they're sitting um, in the classroom. We do have one class that the numbers were really high, so we had to break it up into two cohorts. But everyone else will be here Monday through Friday. A little bit of staggered times, but basically from like 810 to 1230. And then once we were able to make sure we had the right furniture in classrooms, you know, we were able to move on and, and talk about the PPE that needed to be ordered, which the district, you know, did a lot of that. And they sent us extra masks and um, there were hand sanitizer stations put in each classroom. So that was kind of the next thing we talked about. And then, um, you know, the next thing we're now teachers getting together and starting to plan for having students in person and virtual because this is the first time that, you know, we're doing something like this. So teachers are planning right now so they can be ready for their students on the 12th for the ones that are coming in person and the ones that are um, going to be virtual. I've done a lot of work. The, the administration has done a lot of work with um, procedures because of the LA County guidelines. There's a lot of things we need to follow. We can't have all students coming at one time. We can't congregate. So um, I've been working on schedules, hiring more proctors, dismissal and arrival procedures, we have to do temperature checks. We have to make sure um, families fill out a screening before students enter the campus. And it's all just to make sure that everybody's safe. So I think we're at a good place right now and we're just ready to come back. Just as like a quick question, do you have any like estimate of how many of the kids are coming back? 
Um, I give you percentage. I think we have 50, like 58% coming back. And, and some of our classrooms are at max. So there were a few parents that changed their mind, but we couldn't even accommodate them because we just are at our max and in person in the classroom. Would you be able to explain if there's anything different compared to the middle school plans and high school plans for returning? I think it's this, just the scheduling and the times that are really different. As far as the guidelines, um, most of them are similar of what we have to follow. We wanted to try to get the in-person students be on campus as long as possible. So we have them coming in for about four hours each day. Yeah, and adding on to everything we've talked about so far, in the case that there is a student or students that get sick, what precautions will be taken? And leading on to that, how many positive cases are enough to qualify as an outbreak? And from there, what will be done in those measures? So I don't know if I can answer these all exact, but I can tell you that each school um, has an isolation tent set up. And if we, if a child does exhibit any symptoms of COVID, they will be brought to the isolation tent instead of brought to the nurse's office. So, and there will be a nurse there and they will check them out and a parent will be called and they'll have to come and pick them up and then you know, get clearance before they came back. If there is a positive case, we will have to do the contact tracing for um, students that are in the class, you know, with that student and um, take it from there. So, um, you know, our district nurse will be, and our uh, school nurses will be dealing with all of that. Okay, so just to go into the specifics a little bit more, um, you know, what will the elementary school's in-person model look like, maybe like a typical day for the students? Well, you know, we, as, as you know, in elementary, we have some little, from some little ones here. And um, so we really have to be, um, you know, really specific in, in the needs and the guidelines that they have to follow. So the students will arrive every day with um, making sure their parents did the screening, they'll get a temperature check, everything's okay. They'll walk directly down to their classroom and um, teachers will be teaching to the students in class and also virtually at the same time. But you know, I think they're going to, they're trying to focus their teaching. Sometimes they'll be giving the ones in person a little bit more attention while the virtual ones, uh, students are doing independent work and then they'll switch and, you know, give some more attention to the virtual students while the ones in person will be doing some um, independent work. Um, as far as recesses, so we're going to split up our, our playground into four areas so that each class will be in one area. In addition to that, something that's really different is, um, According to the guidelines, only two students are allowed to be in the restroom at one time. So each student will get a magnet with their name on it. And as they go to the restroom, they'll put their magnet outside the door. And if another student comes up and there's two names on the door, they'll have to wait, you know, till one comes out before they're allowed to go in. So a lot of changes, um, a lot of differences. But I think the great thing is that, you know, we're able to get some students on campus. Um, another thing is we're not going to be doing lunch in the class in at school. They're going to go home before lunch. However, they will have a period where they can have a snack and that will be done outside with their class. I know a lot of teachers have asked families to send in a little towel or something that students can sit on outside while they're having their snack. Is there anything you would like to add? Well, we keep telling our parents, especially at the elementary level, is please have patience because we don't know how long it's going to take in the mornings to with the temperature checks and um, just about following all the guidelines. So, you know, patience is the key on both sides for us and for families. And then the other thing that I just want to um, say is that we are really excited. We're getting really excited about coming back and, and having our students on campus. So um, we're looking forward to that. And we just, we know that, you know, in the beginning, there might be some hiccups, but I think we'll work them out and then um, they'll be fine for the last seven weeks. Of course, you can't talk about the return to campuses 
without including the student voice. After all, they are the heart and soul of the education system, and the ones that are most impacted by education policies. Fortunately, the student population ha has had a seat at the table when it comes to school reopening in Arcadia. Hi, my name is Wesley Chen. And my name is Kylie Ha. Hi, my name is Connor Hua. Um, as part of my position as the student representative to the Board of Education on ASB, I also serve on the school site leadership team, which is a body of administrators, department chairs, and various staff and faculty that make um, decisions regarding school um, students and various issues like that. It's been announced that school is reopening and Arcadia High School hopes to hold in-person learning by April 19th. So can you explain to us how SSLT has used student opinions to shape the school reopening process? Yeah, so I serve alongside two other student representatives who are chosen at the beginning of the year to serve alongside me. Um, and we essentially serve as the um, student opinion when it comes to SSLT's decisions. Um, so often um, administration or various teachers will ask the students to sort of give their opinion on the decisions that we're discussing. Um, in terms of how we use student opinion in our decision, I've used sort of like what I hear just from talking to various people through social media, different things like that. And also I just use my own experience as a student. And I try to think about what would be best for other people by putting themselves in our shoes. But through the three student representatives that serve on this board, uh, we essentially just give um, the administration and the teachers an insight into how these decisions affect students. Yeah, so that kind of leads into the next question, which is from what you've heard from your peers and those around you, what do the majority of kids think about the reopening process? Um, I can't really speak too much to every single grade because a majority of the people I talk to and um, just my social circle consists of seniors. Uh, but from through what I've gauged from like polls from teachers in classes and different um, social media polls on Instagram as well from various underclassmen and seniors, um, I would say that a vast majority of students are staying home. Um, I think it's partly due to a just any apprehension when it comes to safety. Um, even though the school has put in many extensive safety procedures, I still think there is a sort of apprehension there. And I also think it's just a little late in the school year for a lot of students. Um, when I've talked to many students from all grades in my various classes, they've told me that they're sort of very used to online school at this point. So waking up, being able to wake up a few minutes before class starts, not having to get dressed and everything associated with that with school. So I just think a majority of students are just sort of comfortable with where they are and not wanting to change that so late into the school year. But I do think sentiments will change a lot in the fall. Before I continue on, I have to give major props to our AUSD teachers. You know, not only did they get their personal lives turned upside down during the pandemic, but they also had to redesign their entire curriculum and continue to accommodate their students all while maintaining their own mental health. It's why we have science teacher Mr. Vo here to describe how he has been preparing for the return to campus and you know his thoughts about it all. Today we are joined by Mr. Vo, who is currently an AP Bio and AP Environmental Science teacher at Arcadia. Hi. Okay, so how have you been preparing for the school reopening? There have been definitely more meetings. You know, I think every teacher is adjusting to this idea of hybrid learning uh, differently. I know some teachers are a little bit more stressed than others, and 
um, administration has been doing really well about trying to communicate all that information as much as possible. That also means that there's a lot more meetings. They're, they're not you know required meetings, but there's a lot of meetings that you feel like you should go to just so you are kind of in the know of what's happening. But I think a lot of it is just uh, alleviating some of the stresses that teachers have coming back to school. We have a lot of different options in terms of what we want in our class to make sure that the protocols are safe. So we can potentially get those plexiglass boards to separate you know, us from students, um, different hand sanitizing stations. And depending on you know, what teachers want, they have the ability to get all those materials. Specifically, I only have like three kids coming back all together out of all five of my periods. And then I think being an environmental science teacher, I don't want to get all these things like these plexiglass plastics and all these other resources that I'm going to use for hopefully only a few months and then never use them again. So I, I don't want to take anything that I don't actually need that I'm going to use for a long term. Yeah, so I know that many of the students were not expecting schools to open before the end of the school year. So when did you find out that the schools would reopen and were you shocked, surprised, or did you expect that they would begin to reopen? Yeah, I, I was kind of with the students too. I didn't think that we were going to come back at all either. I, I thought we were just going to play it safe and just ride it out until the fall semester. But I think there's a lot of pressures federally and at the state to, to reopen. And, you know, we just want to fall in line to what the, the state is telling us to do. Obviously, it's still going to be up to the students and their families and whether or not they feel comfortable to return. So, you know, when we found out it was when we started moving towards the purple. I forgot, I don't even know the colors. When we we're moving towards the purple tier and then everything started moving very, very quickly we were starting to say, yeah, this hybrid thing actually might happen. So I felt like it happened really quickly, but at the same time that it happened quickly, it wasn't necessarily a surprise for us just because we knew at some point this was going to happen. It's just a little bit more expedited than we thought. Yeah. And you mentioned that everything went, came really quickly and also how you had meetings to help overcome the stresses teachers might face. So can you tell us a little more about some of these concerns it's tough. You know, I'm, I know I'm coming from a place of relative comfort. And I mean that in terms of like my, my personal life. I'm lucky enough where my daughter goes to um, a preschool. So, you know, my wife, she can work from home and then I can work at school and we can just focus on, on school stuff. But I, I realize for other teachers, it's a lot more stressful because they might have kids that are still at home or they might be of a so young of an age that, you know, with this online learning, it's actually been the best situation for them where they can still teach, but still take care of their families at home. And so I know the idea of coming back to school and then it's like, well, now what do I do about my childcare? In that way, I, I couldn't imagine like how that would be for, for those teachers. And I know a lot of people in terms of security and safety with the virus um, and just how it's going to spread. I haven't researched any statistics on any of the schools that have opened, but, you know, so I, I get the, the hesitation from some teachers. But I, I, yeah, every teacher is going to be a little different in that, but also because I've been here throughout the entire thing. Uh, and so I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in this loneliness. <laughs> and we've covered this a little bit already, but what do you think will change the most as we transition into a hybrid school model? I, I think the students that are returning because they think it's going to be like how high school used to be. I think they're the ones that are going to be into like for a big shock. Like it, it's totally not going to be the same way. We're, we're trying to uh, try our best to regiment, you know, the spacing in between kids that want to socialize with each other 
And so for them, they're just going to feel like it's another way that adults are trying to tell you what to do and try to hang out. And you're like, no, we're just trying to keep you safe. But I know that's going to be a little bit of a headache. Yeah. And earlier you mentioned you only had three students returning. So do you think that this met your expectations? It's definitely less than I thought, but I just think it's going to be awkward because of those three students that come back, it's like one per period. And so it's just going to be an awkward situation where I'm just like, we're all still in class on Zoom together. Um, I'm not going to do anything terribly different for that student because they're the one of one in the class. And then I recently heard through the grapevine that potentially, because I only have one student in the class, for some reason, they might give me somebody else to just be in the class too, who's not even my student, just because one-on-one with a teacher is kind of weird, which I kind of get. But at the same time, it's like, well, my doors are going to be open. Like no weird things are going to happen. I don't, I don't get it. So I feel like they're going to make an odd situation even more odd by putting a random student that I have no relationship with, uh, as opposed to somebody who at least I already know, kind of. So that, that makes me a little bit worried about that. But nothing about what we're doing right now is great. So we're just trying to get through it the best we can and, and hopefully uh, make it to next year. With the very few students that are coming back, what will in-person school look like? Example, like the seating arrangements and like how will it be different from normal years? Um, this one, it's, it's again, I, I can't really speak to this for other classes because I have one kid. That one kid will will be able to sit wherever they would like to sit. But I know in other classes I've heard, there are some classes where there's like seven kids coming back. I think that's the most I've heard from random teacher conversations that I've had. I I understand that they probably have a more strict seating chart of where students should be. And they probably have more strict like entrance and exit policies as well too, where, you know, you have to make sure you go in through one door, go out through the other door, make sure when you come in, you are wiping down your area, make sure when you leave, you wipe down your area as well. And just kind of to wrap things up, is there anything that you think you learned throughout the process? I, I, I just think about what, whether it was in-person teaching versus online teaching. I think for me, it, it made me look at what my goal in teaching. And um, I think after doing you know, what we did for the last year, it, it's made me really emphasize the fact that you know whether it's in-person or whether it's online, the most important thing for me as a teacher is the relationship that you can build with students. It's way harder online for sure. But I, I feel like if you can get a student to buy in to you as a teacher and to have them understand that you genuinely want the best for them, it doesn't matter what subject you're teaching them, they'll, they'll work hard for you. And, and I think that for me, that was the biggest thing that I took from this. And I think that about wraps it up for this interview. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I hope all my students do well on the AP exams. <laughs> we yeah. do too. <laughs> thank you cool. so much. Cool. Yeah, thank you for joining us today. Yeah. While a normal, quote unquote normal, school atmosphere, specifically in regards to extracurricular activities, might not be possible this school year, one renowned community institution has made incredible strides in continuing to inform and entertain Arcadia. Apache News. Apologies for the hyperbolic language. Um, Full disclosure, I am a member of Apache News, and so that's why I'm speaking so greatly about it. Anyway, here's my interview with fellow APN member Ethan Tran. We are here with Ethan Tran right now, a sophomore who is 
currently a fellow APN member of mine. So how has quarantine limited APN in terms of content creation? And overall content creation, I know the show is a lot more different. Like, um, obviously, we're unable to use the studio for la- the regular show live streams that we did last year. Obviously, we we have to like now use like cameras and pre-record everything, which makes the process a little bit harder, especially for anchors and everything. Like, usually they would just say everything on live. We would have a teleprompter and everything, but now we don't have teleprompters. You know. Some people have to memorize the script and actually like say it in front of the camera. It, it's it's a little it's just a little bit harder, but overall like and also yeah we have to follow COVID precautions and you know like transfer equipment safely to each other. But like starting the the live streams just just recently, the content creation for the live streams hasn't at least for me I haven't noticed that big of a difference since since last year except besides the fact of you know we have to so we have to keep a little bit of our distance you know. So that's pretty much it. Like, I noticed that, like, at our live streams, like... You actually touched upon my next question, which was, uh, what precautions has APN taken to follow COVID-19 guidelines? But pretty sure you spelled out everything. I think oh, the, yeah. there's yeah. also the uh, temperature checks that we do, right? Oh, yeah, we did it. We, we do temperature checks when we, when we get there. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that's different than what people would expect. Um, so, you know, as quarantine has progressed and is slowly being lifted... Um, what has APN been able to accomplish more? What we're doing right now, we don't want to take it directly back into the studio because the studio is a closed environment, you know? We, we still want to maintain our stuff outdoors as much as we can, at least for like the next few months until it's safe, hopefully like next year, you know? The fact that we can't have like anchors in the same place now, that's a lot easier for us to like work together. And obviously it sounds better because like, I don't know if you've noticed, but like every time we pre-record something, and like edit it together there's always a delay between dialogue you know yeah yeah like you uh, if you watch the show you can you notice that but then uh in the live streams in the live streams the anchors they did they did amazing together for sure for sure um what was the hardest part about that return to live streaming for apm uh obviously it's 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 more of just like uh keep your distance kind of thing i don't think covid has gotten in the way of us doing this live stream yet I think it's just getting back in the groove of it all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot to bring that up. Like, I haven't done a live stream since, like, last year. Some of our classmates who, who were even here last year hasn't, have, haven't done live streams in a year, which is pretty impressive because, you know, um, most of the APN people who came to the live stream, like, they're all pretty new. They all learned really quickly. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that was a miracle that the Bishop Amat versus Arcadia live stream turned out really well. And I guess because of, like, the reach that live streams have. He often calls our live streams the bread and butter of APN. Why are they called APN's bread and butter? I agree with him. I, I call it, I, I would I would like agree with him that it's the bread and butter too. Because our, our live streams get the most views. Like our live streams are, are the things that like really put our APN's name out there. It, it actually gives people a reason to watch, you know, all these sports people, like they can't go and watch it themselves, right? So, so they come to us in order to, in order to watch the show. Our last live stream is, is almost at like a thousand views now. So like uh, last year, some live streams would probably only go up to like 300, maybe 500. This, this went up to 1000. So that's like, that's like a, a quarter of our school and the, uh, and the next too, you know? Yeah. Basically cornered the market <laughs> and uh, um, we're running a bit out of, t- bit out of time here. So I'll just jump to our last question. Um, 
Moving forward, what other things can we expect from APN? Uh, yeah, so you'll you'll be seeing more live streams, more videos, just overall more live streams. I think that's that's the biggest thing right there, you know. Definitely, for sure, for sure. Um, and with that, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for talking to, with us, Ethan. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for tuning in to our eighth podcast episode of the 2020-2021 season. If you liked this podcast, please like, comment, and follow AUSD on Facebook and Instagram for more information. We also have a new DCI Instagram account at Arcadia DCI, so you can check that out to get updates on DCI, our work, and get to know us better. You can also visit DCIAUSD.weebly.com for more information and the full list of episodes. This has been Lawrence with AUSD DCI. Thanks for sticking with us, and stay tuned for more coming soon. This is Keeping It Arcadia signing off.